Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Max Keen and Jonathan Krause. What's going on today, boys? Well, we just got through most of the first term exams, which is really, really exciting. I am bubbling over with excitement. It's so awesome because exam season was really rough, let me tell you. Like I'm telling you, I had no free time. I was doing school from bed till bed. It was a long like week and a half, two weeks. So that's kind of over. I've got one more like trickle exam uh, next Monday that's just kind of finishing it off, but I should have plenty of time over the weekend to study for that. So right now I am in a good mood, let me tell you. Having uh, school off your shoulders a little bit is pretty relieving, Um, and it's perfect timing because we're about to record this podcast. So that's super exciting. Uh, Pretty much finished everything that's majorly due, like last night. So I'm enjoying a little bit of freedom right now, and it feels rather amazing, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, we get good mood, Jonathan, for this podcast. Uh, I have yeah. to warn. I have to warn the listeners. We probably are not going to get good mood, Max, because last night his Jets got destroyed by the Denver Broncos. My Denver Broncos. Wow. You, you just. I wouldn't recommend watching the highlights. <laughs> just putting that out there. Yeah. You know, hey guys. Kind of... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this this podcast is all about truth, and and all I'm doing is telling the truth of what happened last night. Yeah. Christian is a Broncos fan. If any of our listeners could not tell that. Okay, guys, the Broncos have one win this season. Just let me let me have my moment. <laughs> yep. It should have been the Jets one, though. See, watching the game, I felt like the Jets were playing better, but we still got wrecked. It, yeah, it's, it was annoying. All the penalties. You can't be that undisciplined. There were like 118 yards of penalties. That's way yeah. too much. And we can't stop on third down, but, you know. Whatever. That's the life of a Jets fan, so. (laughs) All right, so all of our... Jets fan, also, if our listeners could tell. (laughs) Yeah. So, all of our listeners who we haven't scared away with the football talk, welcome back to the show. Uh, (laughs) Today, we're going to answer more listener questions, because after we did that last listener question podcast, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago, we got more listeners uh, reaching out to us with questions, and we really love that. We want you guys to reach out to us with your questions so we can answer them on the show. We can help you guys out. We can walk you through uh, scriptural truths. This is what we're here for. Uh, we want to help you guys walk you through the Bible, show you what God's Word says about different aspects of the Christian life. And today, the questions a lot. So we we have uh, five questions that we're going to answer, but the questions that we got majority of them revolve around one of my favorite topics, and I'm, I'm sure one of Jonathan and Max's favorite topics. It's actually one of the most important parts of living the Christian life. It's a it's a, a command that we get directly from Jesus Christ in the Bible. And it's something that, honestly, I don't think any Christian life would be complete without. And that is evangelism. Uh, evangelism is is when you have the I don't know. What's a, what's a good definition of evangelism? Do you guys have one? Or do I need to find it? Um, evangelism is proclaiming Christ to people, sharing the gospel with them. Okay. Yeah, so 
that's a (laughs) (laughs) yeah evangelism sharing the sharing the gospel with people sharing christ with them because when we somebody who truly comes to faith in jesus christ has that hope inside of them has that that amazing knowledge of the truth inside of them and when you come to that that true faith in christ it's the the truth of what jesus christ did for us is so overwhelming the the sacrifice that he took on his back that he didn't deserve is so overwhelming that he did that on our behalf and it's it's so much so amazing of a truth so awesome awesome is a word i like to use to describe the gospel because if you think about the word awesome a lot of times people use it you know when it's not necessarily um meant to be used uh like so awesome let's just break it down into its its fundamental parts it begins with awe if you're sitting in awe at something you're like jaw dropped can't believe what you're looking at that that is awe and so something that's awesome has awe in it and and people say like oh man that game was awesome or oh man look at that car that car's so awesome but to me something that's truly awesome is something that causes you to be struck with awe like you're awestruck like you can't even believe what what you're looking at what you're hearing what you're um what you're thinking about and to me that is that is how the gospel of jesus christ is that if if you read the bible the entire bible is a, a unified story centered around jesus christ and the old testament points forward to him uh, the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, they talk about him and his life and his ministry. And then the rest of the New Testament points back to Jesus Christ. And if you truly understand the central story of the Bible, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and you understand what he did for us, it's it's so amazing that how could you not want to share it with somebody? Yeah, so the Gospel is going to be the main focus of our first question here, which is um, how do we share the gospel well is there a right way is there a wrong way to do it how do we do it um in a way that glorifies god and helps bring other people to christ so there are a few things i want to point out here um in this the first is don't make it a debate don't try to like don't try to convince the other person you're right um, with all these different facts. Yes, use facts. Yes, use scripture. Yes, point them to the truth. But don't make it like a competition um, of who's smarter because that's not what sharing the gospel is. Sharing the gospel is bringing the word of Christ to other people so that we can, you know, bring glory to God have or give these people um teach them the way of salvation and help them to see god's truth and one of the books of the bible that i think does probably the most evangelism is the book of acts and you're gonna see that there are people who are extremely open to the gospel and there are people who when the gospel is preached, they're going to hate it. They're going to try and go against it. They're going to do everything they can to stop it. So you're going to get mixed reactions when sharing the gospel. But the important thing is not to make it a debate, not to try to convince them to be a Christian. Let scripture do the talking. Um, and find different ways to connect with people. In, t- 
in the book of Acts, which I was talking about, you'll find different opportunities um, where the apostles share the gospel, whether it's, you know, the prison opening up all the doors and Paul uses that to bring the Philippian jailer um, to Christ. Or when Paul sees um, something to an unknown God, he uses that to talk about this unknown God, how he is known, how he made himself known through Jesus Christ. Or to if, you know, like Peter's talking to the Jews, he'll bring up the Old Testament scriptures and how and use those to point to Christ. And so you're going to be able to find different ways that the apostles found opportunities to share the gospel. And so you want to, if you can find a way to use something to share the gospel. We had um, Zane on for an interview a couple months ago, and he was telling us a story about how he um, he was able to start a gospel conversation um by just asking a question about this girl's camera and that sparked a conversation for him to share the gospel and he still connects with this person and how like that's just a small thing that you can do is find those opportunities to share the gospel yeah i couldn't echo what max just said anymore and my echo dot just turned on because i have it set to the word echo that's really awkward so um the one thing I do want to add on to that is sharing the gospel in humility is such an important thing. Um, especially when in a conversation you feel like you have this, this is terrible. I'm going to say this, but sometimes when you're in a conversation, sharing the gospel, you get this like little feeling that you've got the upper hand in the conversation and you feel like you could refute anything the other person says and pride starts to like seek in, you know, seep into your heart. And we got to be really, really careful of that and make sure that we stay humble as we share the gospel because ultimately it's the spirit who's going to move and not us. We are just instruments and he is using us. And obviously we know from uh, also the Sermon on the Mount, God talks about how in the moment he will give us the words to say too. So, I mean, really like there's not a lot of our or hardly any or none of our own power really going into this. We really need to keep in mind that we're relying on God for our strength, relying on God for his grace, and that pride should not be involved whatsoever when we're sharing the gospel. It should all come from a heart of humility. And when we're looking at evangelism, in my opinion, one of the best things we can look at to find a model for how to do it is how Jesus himself did it. Because as we know, Jesus was the perfect son of God who came down to earth, but he actively did evangelism in his own life. And in the Bible, we are blessed enough to have examples, like recorded interactions of him sharing the gospel with people and doing it in a way that we can model in our own lives. And one of the best examples of, of this personal type of evangelism is in John chapter four. And this actually, this bleeds into our second question as well. The second question ties into the first question. Um, and the second question is, what is the best way to perform evangelism? Is it to, when you're having a one-on-one -on -one interaction with somebody, sharing the gospel with them, are, am I supposed to do 90% of the talking because I'm the one with the information and I want them to know what I know? Or is it supposed to be more of a conversation that I have with them where we both kind of do an equal amount of talking? And so when we look at this, this example of Jesus evangelizing in John chapter 4, 
it, it shows us how we can model our evangelism in our own lives. And so in, in this, uh, this chapter, Jesus is traveling from town to town to town, and he is tired. He's tired of walking. He gets really thirsty, and he goes and finds a well. And when he gets to the well, he notices that there's a woman who's drawing water out of the well. And he asks her, he says, hey, can, can you give me some water too? He, in, in verse 7, so this is John chapter 4, verse 7, uh, it says, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And so he was asking her for a drink. But this woman was a Samaritan, which was a, a group of people that weren't supposed to interact with the Jews, which is what Jesus was. And so she thought it was very weird that he was coming up to her and asking her for a drink. Like it, it went against social norms. And we can relate to this because a lot of times when we go out to share the gospel, or even if we're just living our daily lives and we want to share the gospel with somebody or have an interaction where we can talk to somebody about Jesus, it often feels awkward and it feels forced and it feels like it's out of the norm. But Jesus, we see in this passage, what Jesus was doing was also out of the norm. And so he asked her for the water and you might be saying, okay, well, this guy is Jesus. Like there's no way that I can replicate Jesus's form of evangelism because he probably knew the perfect thing to say. And, you know, it, it was probably just easy for him. But in this, in this example, we see Jesus taking a very mundane topic, water, and turning water into a conversation about the gospel. Now, if I challenge you right now to, to try to think of how you could start talking to somebody about water or drinking water or bottled water or whatever it is, and somehow transition that into a conversation about Jesus, you'd probably be like, well, there's not really a natural transition between water and a conversation about Jesus. But... In John chapter 4, Jesus found a way to, to turn this conversation about water, water, this simple conversation, into a gospel conversation. And th- not every gospel conversation has to be you proclaiming the gospel from beginning to end and making sure that the other person leaves without missing a single aspect of the gospel. Because sometimes you're just living your daily life and you just start talking to somebody about Jesus. You just implement it into a, an everyday task, like getting water. And so... Jesus walks up to the woman and she he asks her for the drink and she is like how how are you who is a Jew asking me for water because I'm I'm a woman from Samaria like we're not supposed to talk to each other. And Jesus said, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water." And so he takes this conversation about water and transitions it to living water. But this woman is so confused. She's like, "What is this living water that you're talking about?" And the living water is the water that he offers because he goes on to talk about how this living water quenches all thirst. And once you drink of this water, you will never have to drink again. And she thinks that it's a physical water that he's talking about. Really, he's talking about a spiritual water that once you come to salvation in Jesus Christ, your spirit is quenched and and you're no longer out looking for answers and questions or looking for answers to your questions and things to fill the holes and the gaps that are inside of you because Jesus the love of Jesus Christ and being in the family of God that you're adopted into once you come to salvation in Jesus Christ, fill those gaps within you. And people have actually done this in real life. I I heard of a church once that went out and the way that they did evangelism was they started handing out bottles of water. And on the bottle of water, it said, are you thirsty? And under it, it had a website that took them to, or it had a link that took them to a website where they could read about Jesus being the living water and where they could read about Jesus quenching our souls. And so they used handing out waters to people on a hot day to turn that into evangelism. And really, 
it when it all boils down to what it all boils down to is that evangelism is about love that jesus always went into his his interactions with anybody out of a starting point out of the starting point of love he knew that he loved them before he even went into the conversation with them so once he was in the conversation every single word he said to them and every single thing that happened during that interaction on his part was motivated out of love for the other person and we ought to do the same thing when we're talking to somebody about Jesus, or even if we're just interacting with people on a daily basis, we ought to interact with them out of love. And now there's one more thing that I want to point out because a lot of people will say, okay, well, yeah, that's that's all good and dandy, but evangelism is for pastors or evangelism is for missionaries or evangelism is for people who make that their full-time job. I, I don't have to do evangelism. Uh, this is actually not true. We see in Matthew chapter 28, uh, the Great Commission, where Jesus commands every single believer to go out to all the nations to preach the gospel and to make disciples um, for God. And really, really, one one cool way to see how the difference between pastors and missionaries being the only ones who evangelize and everybody within the church evangelizing is the principle of addition versus multiplication. Everybody who who went to elementary school knows that you can count up faster by multiplying numbers than by adding them. Because if you add numbers, you're just you're going a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Now, if it, one one cool way to to exemplify this is with money. If I were to ask you if you wanted one penny today, and that penny was going to double itself every day for the next month, or I could just give you a million dollars, most people would probably probably be inclined to choose the million dollars because a penny seems like so little that even if you keep doubling it, it's, what are you going to end up with? Like. 15 bucks or something. But if you look at the the math at the end of 30 days, if you take start with one penny and every day you double it, by the end of 30 days you'll end up with more than 5 million dollars. That just shows how multiplication can grow so much faster than addition and it works the same way in the church. If every single person in the church were to make one disciple a year. So you're sharing the gospel and and help one person come to faith every year. The church would grow exponentially faster than if you only left that job to pastors and to missionaries. And that's part of the reason that, that Jesus commanded every single Christian to go out and share the gospel. And it's, it's, but it's not only this, it's not like a numbers game. We should just look at the numbers and, and that's it. We should do it out of, out of faith and out of obedience and knowing that because this life-changing news has been so transformative in my own life, if I share it to other people, it can have the same effect in their life. And because I love them so much, I want them to have the same knowledge that I have. So really sharing the gospel is, it's such an important part of the Christian faith. Yeah, and to sort of wrap this conversation up, I know for a lot of people, it can be very, very difficult to start conversations. And we've mentioned a couple of ways that you can um, maybe do that a little bit better and have it be a little bit more comfortable for you. But at the end of the day, there, like, there are some major introverts that want to share the gospel, but it's so hard for them to go out and outside of themselves and share the gospel. I know uh, most of us here um, are either like both introvert and extrovert, and then Christian is like extrovert. So, like, we don't think that we don't struggle with it either. I mean, it is really difficult to start up conversations out of the blue with people. And I will echo what, what Christian said, especially try to find ways that you can relate to them um, in any way. It could be something on their shirt. It could be, I mean, we were in on uh, Mission Possible 1. We were working with a lady uh, through 
reach global and she was incredible at finding just random ways to talk to people i mean it was really it was a treat to see her go out and and just make conversations i mean she literally we were walking past some bikers who were just sitting there on their bikes um they were just taking a quick break and like uh rehydrating and stuff and she literally looked at one of their helmets and she was like man i'm so glad you guys wear helmets and she started talking about how her her son uh had a little bit of an accident because he wasn't wearing a helmet and then she used that as a way to trans uh go right to the gospel and it was so exciting to see it and we i was just standing there dumbfounded because she started the conversation right out of the blue about a bike helmet i mean people just don't generally think about that stuff so really anything that you can do to relate to the other person um it could be something they're wearing like i said their shirt or it could be their shoes or it could be just finding anything that you can do to to make a common ground because that really just breaks down the ice right away when when two people can relate to each other through something um also a great thing to do when you're sharing the gospel is let's say you're uncomfortable with where the conversation is or uh maybe you're talking with i know we've talked to many like atheists or evolutionists that that talk about all this science mumbo jumbo and you kind of just feel overwhelmed with all of these studies that they're bringing up and and you just kind of like can't keep up intellectually a great thing to do is always talk about your testimony and just talk about what god has done in your life and how he's changed you and how he's morphed you into the person that you are today and what are people can't say anything to that you know you can't start sharing your testimony and they say oh you know you're wrong no it's your testimony and it's nothing but you know you speaking from your heart and like no one can say anything to that and it's we got to remember that we're living our best life in Jesus. You know, we, we always have to remember that when we're sharing the gospel, we have the truth, we have the goodness, we have the joy inside of us. And we're sharing that with other people in humility and sharing that from your testimony is a great thing. I know um, Paul Adams, who we have not had on the podcast yet, but we were hoping to get him on in the, in the near future. Uh, he loves to share, share the gospel through his testimony because he, he has one of those testimonies where he's been in drugs um, and he's had kind of a, a difficult past and he uses the his testimony of the grace of God to really just show how genuine his faith is to other people. And it really it really is pretty amazing where an intellectual argument or an intellectual conversation wouldn't have done anything in that regard. So testimonies are a really, really great way uh, to share the gospel with other people. And I know some of you guys might be thinking or I've heard stories of people who have just been turned off by the gospel because they hear it too much or because they the church is evil or whatever they say. Um, and you don't want to sound like you're being too much for them. You don't want to sound like um, you're overwhelming them with the gospel. And so I know, like, it's hard to have conversations with those people and honestly just keep pursuing them. Don't make it like everything has to point back to that. Don't like if they ask you to stop, then okay, but keep being a light to them. Keep, you know, showing them the love of Christ yeah, and this is a great way to transition to our third question. 
And it also relates back to the second question. Like I said, the first three questions are all about evangelism. The third question is, how can we share the gospel without sounding too eager or overbearing? Like, how can we do it without sounding like we're trying to force Jesus down the other person's throat or scare them away? Like, like how, how can we do it without, you know, seeming like Jesus freaks? And I think that one of the most important things, this also relates back to our, our second question, is to listen to the person when you're having conversations with them. I think a lot of times people feel overwhelmed when they're, when people, when somebody's sharing the gospel with them, they feel overwhelmed because that person is just talking the entire time. And that person won't either won't let them talk at all, or when they do talk, that person seems like they don't even hear what the per- what they're saying. Because I, I've had personal experience with this myself. When you go out to share the gospel, especially if it's in like a an evangelistic setting, like you're not just doing it every day, like in your everyday life, but you go out to particularly share the gospel in a, a town, like a mall or whatever. It's very easy to get stuck in this rut. Like, okay, when I share the gospel, I need to touch on this. I need to touch on this. I need to touch on this. And you have this whole list of things you want to talk about. And it leaves no room for the other person to ask questions or to, to turn the conversation in a direction that you probably wouldn't have originally planned on it going. But it's going to be very beneficial to that person to get their questions answered or to, to understand what it is that you're really trying, like understand how much you love them and how you're not trying to shove something down their throat or recite a memorized script to them. You're really trying to share with them something that has changed your life because you believe it'll also change their life. So I I think listening is one of the most important things when you share the gospel, because a lot of times there's one or two questions that people have about Christianity that they just haven't been able to get over. And sometimes if you you're in this, this conversation with them, and even if it's just, you're talking to your neighbor and they're like, man, I've noticed that you're always reading your Bible on your porch. What, why do you read that Bible? Like, even if the conversation starts something like that, then it might be an opportunity for them to be like, you know, I've, I've always had a question about the Bible. Why do you read, like, why do you believe that the Bible is the word of God? And it's like that one question that's always kept them away from the church because they could never understand why people believe that the Bible is the word of God. So sometimes if you just live your everyday life and you're, you're, constantly, you know, reading the Bible when you get free time, or, or even if it's just somebody, something bad happens to somebody and you're like, okay, I'll pray for you, man. I'll pray for you about that. Then they'll notice, they'll be like, why do you always tell us that you'll pray for us? Do you think like, what does it mean for you to pray? Like you're going to talk to God, but what does that do? And then you can explain to them about prayer or you can explain to them about, um, the Holy spirit. And there's so many ways that you can, you can take that but it, it can only happen if you listen to them and listen to their questions and uh, give them a chance to speak. Like the second question that we had that asked, should I talk most of the time since I'm the one who has something to say or should I let it be more of a conversation? I would say you should definitely let it be more of a conversation because that's how you can make them feel like they're a part of the conversation and they're not just being lectured to because nobody likes to be lectured to um, when they're walking down the street or or when they're hanging out with their friends and you want to tell them about Jesus, nobody wants to sit there and just be lectured to. But they might genuinely have questions for you about the gospel or about the Bible or about prayer or about something about your Christian life. And you can help them by answering those questions, hearing them out and really helping them along in their understanding of Christianity. And that can really go a long way to help them come to salvation eventually. One thing I want to point out real quick too is the nature of the gospel is 
gonna be offensive to people. People don't want to hear that they're sinners. People don't want to hear that they can't make it to heaven on their own. It's it's a hard thing to grasp um, for some people. And so we see that in the Bible too, how people just hate the word of God, how people hate the message of the gospel. And so you're going to come into contact with people who don't want to believe this, that don't want to admit that they're wrong. And so those people, it's going to be really hard to talk to them. But who knows what God could be using you for? God could be using you to plant a seed that over time it's going to keep growing and growing and they may end up coming to Christ someday. But the nature of the gospel is going to be offensive to a lot of people. And so just when those times happen, um, be careful, but trust in Christ in those moments for sure. Okay, last thing I do want to say about evangelism. There is going to come a time when you have no idea what to say. And that is completely normal and completely okay. Don't feel like you failed as a you know in preparation because you didn't know what to say. Um, don't try to just spew a bunch of stuff you don't know because you really have no idea what you're saying. Both of which I have done, and I know Christian and Max can probably say some stuff about this too. There, like sometimes you just don't know what to say, and if someone asks you a question that you don't know, it's perfectly fine to say, well, I'm sorry, I just don't know the answer to that question. And you're not any less of a Christian if that happens to you. You're not, you know, God doesn't love you any less if you don't know how to, you know, what to say to share the gospel to other people. And that's just kind of something that we have to take in stride. Um, some people will definitely... Uh, even make fun of you for that if you if you don't know the question i know i've, I've gotten asked a question before that i didn't know and i was um pretty down on myself about it and then the person was like yeah like you don't know the answer you you know you don't even know what you're talking about and it may be it made me feel pretty inferior in at the time um but the great thing about getting asked questions that you don't know is later on you can go research them and now you do know how to answer them and then next time in the future when you get asked that question you know how to answer it. And it's 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 a way that we can build knowledge and we can grow in our faith. Uh, unfortunately, it's an uncomfortable way to do it, but it is a way to grow. And God uses that. God uses other people to ask us questions that we don't know so that we can end up growing and end up learning um, and being better prepared in the future. So, But don't, don't let it get you down. Uh, don't feel any shame or guilt. If, if there's a question that you don't know, um, really that's okay. And God's grace still applies. Um, and anything, anything that you say to other people in regards to sharing the gospel is something that hasn't, uh, that God can use to, to plant seeds, to water seeds, to grow seeds. And then maybe if you're, if you're lucky enough to harvest the seeds, um, and it's, it's a rare thing, but it's a beautiful thing to see seeds being harvested. And it's really, really cool. I know you, you hear stories all the time of, of people that, that, got to harvest the seeds and it was such a blessing to them and then not only them but like of course a blessing to the person who was able to finally have their eyes open to the gospel and, and 
you know, have it make sense to them. And, and they obviously believe. And I personally have not been able to personally lead someone to Christ yet. And I'm looking forward to it so much. But I've seen other people do it. And it's really, really encouraging and such a big blessing. So stay encouraged. Uh, don't worry about if you don't know a question or you don't know what to say or you don't know how to answer. Ultimately, the gospel is the power. Scripture is the power. You can always go back to the gospel in a conversation if it's leading down a rabbit trail or it's going into science that you don't know or anything. The gospel is the center of the conversation. You can always bring it back to that starting point, that foundation. And anything you say about Jesus can be used for, for God and for God's glory. And even when it seems like a conversation went absolutely nowhere, you have no idea what's going on in that person's heart and what God's working in their life. And you could have been the one to open open a, some kind of door that wasn't open before. And just stay stay vigilant, uh, be patient with with the gospel. I know, and be patient in conversations. It's so easy to to feel like, oh man, if, if this person just understood what I was talking about, then they would they would finally see how beautiful it is to be. Um, saved by God and saved by grace, and it can you can start feeling like you need to you need to say more things you need to you need to convince them more you know you can do more, but really we need to rely on God for our strength we need to rely on God for our power and we need to rely on God's timing especially because it might not be the right time for that person to see that Christianity is t true that to see that Jesus can save them from their sins and give them ultimate forgiveness. And that's okay. That's all good and all fine because God works it all together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, so don't let that get you down if you ever get in a situation that isn't favorable. Um, just keep striving forward to the prize that is ahead of you. So with that, we will transition on to our fourth question. And this, this one's sort of a change of, change of gears because it's no longer about evangelism, although you can probably tell how much we love evangelism, just how much we <laughs> kept going on and on about those last three questions that we answered. So question four, uh, this one's about something that we talk about a lot on the podcast, and it's something that is really important to us in our own personal lives and our own personal walks with Christ, and that is accountability partners. Um, in this question, she asks, how many accountability partners would you recommend having? And that's a great question because a lot of times we talk about, you know, you want accountability partners, people to keep you accountable for different aspects of your life, whether that's reading the Bible or doing a, a daily devotional and answering the questions, or whether that is sharing the gospel, or whether somebody is is helping keep you accountable with a certain sin that, that, that you know you struggle with. And the only way that you can keep it under control is if you have somebody constantly checking in on you. And these are all all types of accountabilities or all types of accountability that, that the three of us have used in our own lives. And I would say that there is no right number. Like if you have three or less accountability partners, then it's not going to be effective. If you have five or more accountability partners, then it's going to be too much. It's going to be too much of a hassle. You have to have exactly four accountability partners and that's that. Or if you have any more than one accountability partner, then too many people know about your personal life. Like there's nothing like that. The answer is however many you need, because the only person who can examine your life and figure out which parts you may need somebody to keep you accountable is you. And something I found in my own life, and a lot of my friends do this as well, is 
for each thing that I need to be kept accountable for, I choose somebody different to keep me accountable. Because having all these different people check up on me at different times is very encouraging me, encouraging to me, and it helps keep me on track. Because if I say I have three different things that I need to keep myself accountable for, and I have an accountability partner for those three things, if I make it all one accountability partner, then whenever they check up on me, they're going to check up on all three of those things at the same time. And that might be once a week or once every two weeks or once a month. But if I have a different person for each thing, then I might be getting checked up on three times a week or three times a month or, you know, three times every two weeks. And having that, that frequency, at least that's what I found in my own life is very helpful to keep me on track. Cause even if, even if my, one of my accountability partners is, is keeping me on track for, you know, reading the Bible, then I'll answer his questions. I'll be like, yeah, man, I read the Bible, you know, six or seven times this week. It was great. This is what I read about. This is um, the story that I read. But also when I get that check up on, I'm like, oh man, you know, that reminds me, I haven't shared the gospel with somebody in months. I need to make that a priority. I need to find opportunities in my everyday life to share the gospel with those that are, those people who are around me. And so I found that having different accountability partners for different aspects of my life has really helped keep me accountable in every single um, thing that I've, I've needed to be kept accountable with. And it helps me by giving me that frequency. So I'm, I'm checked up on more and I have more reminders to continue to pursue God and everything that I do. Yeah, that's awesome for sure. Um, and one thing that I'll say for me personally is I have probably two or three really close accountability uh, partners who will check up on each other. Or, um, they'll check up on me, see how I'm doing in certain things. Um, but I also have a group of people that I go to with general things. Um, whether it's to be more in the Bible or to be more content or to be um, more faithful to sharing the gospel with people, whatever it is with, you know, things like that, I'll go to a group when it's something a little bit more personal or a struggle that I'm going through. That's when I'll turn to one of my closer friends um, and share with them what I'm going through. And so for me, they're sort of different layers to what I'll share with certain people. And I think that's a really good thing too, um, to have those really close friends, but having those also the group of the um, people that are there to encourage you as well um, with other things. And so that to me has been really helpful. Um, that That's something that I would recommend doing too, but also, you know, with what Christian said about having different accountability partners for different things. That's also a great idea as well. Yeah, everything that you guys both brought up is so true. And I do want to highlight what Max said about having that group of people. Um, obviously, having a couple great and really close accountability partners is super key. But also having a group of people, like a support group, um, that can just pray for you about certain things and you don't have to generally or you don't have to um actually like go into depth into what you're struggling with um, but you can just say to them hey guys like i'm struggling with something can, can you all just pray for me and that really is super powerful especially when you have a group of people that are praying for you i know that max christian and i are, are part of a group chat and 
we all like go to each other about when we have things that we uh, we'd like other other people to pray about. Um, especially, I know we, we do this with exams. Like when we all have exams, we ask people to pray for uh, people that are taking the exams. Um, I know just the other day, someone asked uh, to to pray for one of their friends who just broke up in a relationship. So it's it's really really a great thing to have a support community of believers that can just pray for you or can pray for someone in your life that needs prayer. And then you can also pray for them. Um, prayer is a powerful thing and it really is amazing when we use it. Um, and that is a great thing to have adjacent to the, like the one-on-one -on -one accountability partners where you guys can just be completely and utterly honest about each other with, with that specific area uh, of your life that you struggle with. And I can't say this enough. If you don't have accountability partner, pray about it. Ask God to bring someone in your life that you can be close with. Um, you might think to yourself, well, there's there's no one in my life that I'd really want to share my deepest struggles with or anything like that. Pray about that. Ask God to bring someone in your life to, um, you know, connect with you on that level that you can grow in faith with in a way of where you're sharing uh, your struggles and your weaknesses with each other. Because um, ultimately... We're not going to get any stronger by ourselves without either the power of God or other people uh, helping us along the way. And so we need to rely on that. I know me personally, I didn't really have any accountability partners until um, probably about, oh, goodness, this was like three to six months ago. And I was it was it was kind of a conviction on my heart. Um, I was thinking to myself, you know, I, it, it'd probably be a really good thing to have accountability partner. Uh, and I actually prayed about it. And then I kid you not, within a week. One of my really good friends um, just kind of asked me out of the blue, and I was like, "Heck yeah, let's do it. Let's be accountability partners." And it was a really cool thing, and it was uh, such an answer to prayer. So I can't tell say this enough: pray about it if you don't have one. Pray about it if you do have one. Pray pray with other people all the time. Prayer is a powerful thing, especially when it comes to accountability. We should always keep God the center of our um, our accountability partnerships and our, our support groups and everything. So that that's definitely a big recommendation. And before we move on to the final question, I just, I kind of want to clear up uh, what is an accountability partner? Because some people might be listening. They're like, yeah, it's, it's all well and good that you've talked about accountability partners for the last 15 minutes, but I don't even know what that is. So okay, an accountability partner is somebody in, in some area of your life that you've had a hard time disciplining yourself in. Like, you know, say that your days get too busy and you just can't make time to read the Bible. And you, no matter how hard you try, you just can't find the time. Then you go to your, one of your friends or a mentor of yours or a sibling or a parent and say, you know, I really want to read the Bible and I've, I've had a hard time prioritizing it in my day. So will you just check up on me once a week and ask me how I'm doing? Ask me if I've read anything and if so, what I've read about that way. I can have somebody to keep me accountable, hence the term accountability partner, for reading the Bible. And it's it's actually funny that we're talking about this because I actually I actually made uh, an agreement with like this with one of my friends actually this week. We started talking and we were like, you know, or he was like, you know, I I things are going good right now, but I just haven't been able to spend as much time with God as I'd want to. So would you mind asking me once a week? Uh, how I'm doing and ask me what I'm reading about and just keep me accountable on that. And I said, of course, man, because 
that's what we believers are here for. We're here to build each other up in the faith and, and help each other when we're having times of weakness or, or times of struggle when we can't quite, you know, organize our lives exactly as we want to. So it's, it's a really great thing. It helps just like anything in life. If you have somebody who is watching you or who knows about your problem or who is there to, to support you, it makes it much easier to, to do that fight. And it gives you more motivation to, to do the things that aren't necessarily always the easiest. Cause it's not always easy to leave something during the middle of the day to go read the Bible, but it's always worth it. So with that, we're going to move on to our fifth and final question for the day. And this question is, is very important. There's no way we're going to be able to cover it all in the, the remainder of this podcast, but we're going to try to touch on as many aspects of it as we can. And this question is, how can you keep from becoming in the world when you're surrounded by people who aren't Christians almost every day? So the question is, you know, we're living in this world and the Bible tells us, you know, you're not of the world, that you should you should uh, be able to live for Christ when everybody around you is living for things of the world like money and and fame and glory. People around you are going to live for these things, but you should be living for Christ. But the question is, how can we do this? How can we, how can we, you know, stand strong for Christ when there's so many temptations and, and it seems like everybody around us is doing exactly what we're called not to do living for the world. So this topic is rather difficult um, because there's so many different situations and circumstances that people can be in. Um, and many people struggle with different things when it comes to being of the world uh, or being in the world, but not of the world kind of thing. Um, I know personally, I live with three other guys um, who, as far as I know, are, are not Christians. Um, and it can be a difficult thing because obviously there's a lot of things that like I want to do or focus on throughout the day. And that's just like those things are not important to them. And so it's it's not it's, it's one thing I want to say is being in God's word every day and then constantly reminding yourself throughout the day through prayer is really, really vital. Um, you have to keep reminding yourself uh, to be in the world, but not of the world. Um, I know everybody views it as a bad thing to be in the world, but not of the world uh, or just a bad thing to be in the world. We've got to remember what James you know, says that let the testing of your faith produce steadfastness or patience essentially um ultimately the testing of our faith is is for our glory and i know it stinks um having to go through trials having to go through struggles and the testing of your faith or whatever but ultimately it's for our glory it's for our growth in our faith and it's not going to be fun to go through it at the moment but uh afterward we're going to be better christians for it we're going to be better people better followers of jesus um i know right now in in my life I'm trying to really bear down on uh, the things that I'm losing focus on in terms of in terms of Christianity, because um, it's like with school being distracted with that, and then like having non-Christian roommates, um, it's been it's been easy to lose sight of what's important in terms of uh, Jesus and in terms of me following Christ in my day-to-day life, and then also sharing the gospel with other people. And I'm trying to be better about inviting them to maybe Christian things that I'm going to, like the other night. I was in a Bible study and I invited them to join just in case they wanted to. Um, so it's, it is a difficult thing to like, especially if you're around non-Christians all the time. So for the person that asked this question, if you're around non-Christians all the time, really 
being constant in God's word, being consistent in God's word, um, and then reminding yourself throughout the day through prayer. Just pray about literally all the random things. Pray about all the small things. Because um, prayer is a great way to remind yourself that ultimately you're living for, for God. And, you know, Colossians 3.1, set your mind on things that are above. Um, set your mind on spiritual things. And we got, that's a constant thing. Like that is a practical thing that you can be doing every day. It's just keep reminding yourself throughout the day to pray about something or to thank God for something or just a small little praise or anything you can do to re, to bring in your mind spiritual things, anything that you can do to set your mind on things that are above, set your mind on the kingdom of God rather than, you know, the things of the world. Um, it's really, it can be so distracting, all the busyness of our life and then, um, you know, the people around us could, even though they're not Christians, they could be nice, great people. I know like my roommates are amazing guys. They're really just awesome guys, but they're not going to bring me closer to Jesus. And that's kind of the caveat there. And we know that if you put a bad uh, or a good apple in a batch of bad apples, generally the good apple is not going to bring the bad batch of apples to be good apples. It generally does not work that way. Um, so we really have to be diligent. This is where the accountability partners come in beautifully, um, just to keep keep each other on track. And uh, it's it's a, definitely a struggle. I know this is really hard, but we got to stay diligent. We got to stay disciplined in our faith, um, and make sure that we are ultimately chained by Christ, and that we're not going to waver when it comes to you know losing focus. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to echo all that Jonathan said and. Um, for our school last year, our theme verses for the year, I think it was, um, were Joshua 1, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Um, but 8 and 9 really sticks out. I mean, verse 8 uh, definitely sticks out when talking about this, and I'll just read it for you guys. It says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be brought, then you will be prosperous and successful. So it's saying to keep this book, the Bible, the scriptures, keep it on your mind, keep it on your mouth, keep meditating on it always. Let that be a huge influence into your life. Don't let it just be part of, you know, your Bible time and then you're a different person the rest of the day. No, let it always be with you. Um, having sticky notes to remind you, whether it's on your computer or on your mirror or on your door, have Bible verses there that you can memorize or um, have little reminders with you set a reminder on your phone or get a Bible memory app, get something to remind you the importance of scripture and the importance of remembering the promises of God. That is huge in the idea of being set apart um, from the world because we are different than the world. We're, we're supposed to be a light to other people. We're supposed to be different from other people. As Christian says at the end of every podcast, podcast, um, love each other and shine your light. We're called to be a light to other people. So let scripture always 
be on your mind, on your heart, on your lips. And we see throughout scripture that the theme is that Christians aren't supposed to isolate themselves from culture. We're not supposed to be like, man, you know, if we live in the world, we're going to fall into the trap. So it's just best and safest for us to back up and to not even go into the world to just, you know, kind of we'll be over here, the world can be over there and leave it at that. But like we talked about earlier in the podcast, we are called to evangelism. How can we evangelize? How can we share the gospel with people in our everyday lives if we're not interacting with those people in our everyday lives? We see, you know, it's it's a common thing in Christianity, but Jesus came to the world to save sinners, to save people who weren't, you know, righteous or weren't just justified before the Lord. The people who needed him, he's the one who came. Jesus himself said, a doctor doesn't come to heal the healthy. A doctor comes to heal the sick. And in the same way, we as Christians need to go out to the world to find those people who don't know God and to show them, show God to them. And before we close out, I I have one more point to make about this whole, you know, being in the world, but not of it. And it comes from the book of Jeremiah. And it's Jeremiah chapter 29. And in this chapter, the most quoted verse, it's one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's not the verse I'm going to be looking at right now. Um, the verse I'm going to be looking at is actually, it's a section of verses that comes before verse 11. And for a little context, in this book, the Israelite people, God's people, are in Babylon. They're being exiled in Babylon. So essentially, um, Babylon came in and destroyed Israel and took the people as captives and slaves. And so right now, God's people, God's chosen people whom he promised to keep and save are being held as captives and slaves by this nation. And one would expect that that when God sends them a letter, as he does in this chapter of Jeremiah, he would say, you know, I'm coming for you. I'm going to destroy these people. You're going to be free in no time. But that's actually not what God said. God told them, he said, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, take wives and have sons, take wives for your sons. So he's telling them to do all these things. He's, he's like, you know, you're going to be here for a long time. He actually tells them you're going to be there for 70 years. So don't sit back and try to keep yourself separate from this other group of people. You know, live lives and, and get married and build houses. Like do these things to establish yourself in their community. And then in verse seven, he says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So just as, as God was commanding his people here, not to isolate themselves from the, the people around them, but to live amongst them and to pray for them that they would come to God and to seek their welfare. The same thing is true for us. We are called to pray for those people who are around us and to seek their welfare out of love for them. Because in seeking their welfare, we'll share the gospel with them. We'll love them. We'll show them what the love of God truly looks like. And we'll help them come to the knowledge of the truth. And really, this there's nothing more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ because everything else in this world is temporary, is fleeting, but the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. And this is the most important thing that that you can share with anybody. So it's really, I've, I've really enjoyed doing this episode, answering these questions about evangelism and about uh, accountability and about living in the world, but not of it. It's It's really been great. And as you guys know, this podcast is supported by listeners like you. 
we actually got a donation from Isabella this week. Isabella pledged $10 a month for us. And, and those kind of donations, no matter how big or small, they really help out our cause because we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to glorify his name and not our own. We're doing this so more people can know about Jesus Christ. We're doing this so more people can hear about him and come to salvation in him. Because like I said, this is the most important thing. So if you have gotten anything out of this episode or any other episode, there are a number of ways that you can support us. Um, you can, first of all, give us rating and reviews on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. These ratings and reviews help us climb up the leaderboards, help get more eyes and ears on our podcast, and help us spread the gospel of Jesus Christ even further to, to more people around the world. Uh, it's really an awesome, awesome thing that we're doing here, and it wouldn't be possible without you guys. The second thing that you can do if you get any value out of this show at all is to share it with somebody. Share this episode with somebody who has these kind of questions or any of the other episodes that we've recorded. We've recorded things on on you know, a variety of topics. We recorded uh, toward the beginning a podcast about the gospel. What is the gospel? We have podcasts about why does God allow evil in the world or how do we know God exists or what is you know, what is the, the story of the Bible all about? Like, like almost any question you could have or anything you'd want to learn, you know, learning about love or learning about faith, anything you, you could want to know, we have episodes touching on those different things. So you can go back and share those episodes that you've listened to that have really helped you with people in your life. Uh, you can also buy merchandise. We have merchandise. We partnered up with a great Instagram company called Victorious Co., apparel and they helped us make make these awesome shirts with a, a cool design on the back that says shine your light um and then finally you can donate to us you can visit livingvictorypodcast.com slash donate and there's a link there to go to our paypal and to donate to us because the money that you give us can help us advertise the show and to spread it far and wide to people around the world because like i said like i keep saying this show is only possible because of you guys you guys are the ones who make all of this possible Everything that we do, every every person that hears our gospel message is because of you, the listener, because of your support, because of your listening, because of your rating and reviewing. Everything you do helps us out and helps us spread the gospel of Jesus Christ further because we want to do this. We want to be here for you guys. We want to answer your questions or, or we want to encourage you guys in the faith. If you guys have any questions or topics that you'd like to hear, please feel free to contact us. You can email us at Christian, Max, or Jonathan at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can also email our general email at questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. Uh, you can visit our website, livingvictorypodcast.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram or Facebook at livingvictorypodcast. Uh, we make it real simple for you guys because really everywhere we are, it's just Living Victory Podcast. So go out there, find us, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have conversations with you, answer your questions. Uh, we look forward to it. But until next time, as always, love each other and shine your light.